0: This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers this teaching entitled, Dad's Day. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Uh, Can I think about this? Like, do I have a minute to think about it? Never know what's coming. (laughs) It's never a dull moment. I remember my first diaper change, like 2 a.m. in the hospital. And I have no idea what we're doing. Very dark, I don't have contacts in, I can't see anything. Covered in pee. The hardest part is teaching and disciplining, but also loving them along the way. Patience, you gotta have a lot of patience. Learn how to fake being asleep when the baby's crying. Uh, Don't take things too seriously. Stop, get off. Leave that alone, don't touch him. I am the papa. i would be like, who's the man? You're the man. Oh my goodness, I sound like my dad. It's the best thing ever and it's the hardest thing ever, but it's worth it. And probably most dads would agree it's the best thing ever, it's the hardest thing ever, but it's certainly worthwhile, and I love being a dad. Our Father in Heaven loves being a dad. It was His big idea to, to make us dads and to let us experience it. And some 4,000 years ago, a man by the name of Abraham wanted to be a dad. And for the first 75 years of his life, he, he couldn't be a dad. In fact, we we picked up this story on Mother's Day talking about Abraham and Sarah and then they, uh, they were childless for uh, the first majority of their life. And God came to Abraham and he said, I'm, I'm going to give you a child, a son. And then through you, I'm going to raise a great nation, which became the, the nation of Israel. So, so at 75, he gets this promise of God, but it's still another 25 years before, before he ever had a kid. So he's 100 years old when, when he had a kid, and, and, and yet so remarkable was his walk with God, though nobody walks with God perfectly, so remarkable was his walk with God that, that they're still talking about Abraham even even after the time of Jesus, who, by the way, was in the line and in, in lineage of Abraham. So that you get to places like Hebrews chapter 11. Check this out. This is well worth the long read that, that tells us the encouragement that comes from his life. So look at this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust, everybody say that word with me, this what? trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed, look what he did, he obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did his son Isaac and grandson Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And so from the, this one man, and he as good as dead, meaning that, that he was past childbearing years, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham. Well, there's much to learn from his life, and I want to offer like something of an affirmation and and then a challenge. Now, I'm talking to everybody, of course, but I'm gonna I'm gonna gear it to, to dads. So I'm, I'm gonna talk to dads. So everybody can benefit from it. You got your teaching notes. You want to do a little bit fill in the blank. Here's the first affirmation, and and we're not gonna spend a lot of time on the affirmation. It'd be worth it, but but I, I just want to hit them. I don't want to skip them and go to the challenge. I first want to hit the affirmation. So here's the first one: Working to provide for your kids is honorable. I, I just want to if if I could do a standing applause for. For men, dads, I'd say, listen, dads, I, I know I'm a dad. I, working to provide for your kids is honorable. God ordained us for this. Now, listen, I know moms are involved in this, but hey, it's Dad's Day. So I'm talking to dads about dads. So, so guys, man, well done. See, we know that this is a majority burden on us. No, it's a lot of stress. God grants a measure, seasons, moments of success, but there's a fair amount of struggle in that. As dads, you want to provide uh, for your kids and for your family. And, and Abraham would remind you, you're not on your own. You're not all alone. And this God is ultimately our provider. God provided for Abraham, allowing Abraham to provide for his family and for his son Isaac. And, and, and on it went. Dads, we we have hopes for our kids. We have things that's kind of sometimes scary to to become a dad, and be a dad. And, but 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 we have our hopes. In fact, that was some of the conversation we had some with some twelve stone dads. So just listen, and there's just a, this is just kind of what it means to be a dad. Listening on these guys, and then we'll just keep talking the affirmation. Check it out. I remember changing my son's diaper in the hospital. In- Are the instructions in a bag or leave them in the room? And it was like guacamole, so it was pretty nasty. What is that? And I'll never forget the smell. (laughs) One of the scariest things about being a dad is being the source of disappointment of your kids. Afraid you've messed up, and you're gonna mess their life up. Their first day of football, you know, pee-wee. And you gotta let them go out and take a hit, you know. I hope uh, both of my boys Always feel secure in the love we have for them. They'll go further and greater and reach places that me and my wife have never been able to get to. I hope my kids uh, love each other uh, throughout their entire life. I hope they come to know the love of Jesus. And I hope they uh, love mom and dad for a long time and don't move too far away. And I hope that my children, you know, just be productive and just outstanding citizens and just, you know, fun loving Christians and, you know, just good people in this world. I hope that they have uh, as much fun raising their families as I did raising mine. My hope is that they love God and love others um, and make a difference um, in this world. So, Daz, we have hopes for our kids. Keep providing for your kids. Good for you. Affirmation well done. But providing is more than financial. It's it's relational, it's spiritual, it's emotional. It's, so so that's why I just put the second affirmation again. We know this, but I want to reinforce it. Dad, making time for your kids is powerful. You you know it, but I just want to reinforce it. That 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 it does cost. It is demanding, and, and and it's perhaps one of the most difficult things you'll ever do. But when you carve out time, when you make listen, be the fun dad, huh? Be be the fun dad. Make time for your kids, engage them, enjoy them, and and, and go after it with your kids, and, and and just be a guy without an apology. I guess is what. I'm saying in fact, that's what this dad song is. It's it's a parody from the fight song, and it's not mom approved, it's just, it's just dad approved. It's just it's just the guys being being a guy, and we're not gonna listen to the whole song, but I just want you to get a minute of it because it because it makes me smile. So just check it out. This is my dad's song, my dressing bad song, smelly gym bag song. This is my dad's Cheer you up when you're sad, song. Carry you to bed, song. And I'll hug you so hard at night that you can barely breathe. Cause that's just the life for dads like you and me. Yeah! My garage is immaculate, but I don't flush the toilet. Just don't hate it, I'm complicated mom taught you the finer arts but I taught you how to light your farts it's hazardous but it's hilarious and yeah I dress you like a slob but check out my belly flop I will never leave your side and I will love you Till I die, this is my dad's. Alright, that's enough of that. But it's just just dads, it's our day. Just enjoy yourself. That may not be mom-approved, but it is dad fun. Firm being a dad. But then I think Abraham would take us into the challenge. That's where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time. And, and I think if he gave us a challenge, here's at least one of them that he'd give. Real dads, jot this down, I put it on the screen for you, Real dads live real trust and transfer real hope. I want us to unpack that. Real dads live real trust and transfer real hope. Grab your Bibles here across the campuses and turn over to Genesis chapter 22. Let's check this out together. It's on page 20, your Worship Center Bible, right underneath your chair. And uh, if you're on a mobile device, it's, it's Genesis chapter 22, but it's on page 20 in your Worship Center Bible. Chapter 22, verse 1. Abraham has something to teach us from his story. Verse 1, sometime later... God tested, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So I want you to go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son, Isaac. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Sacrifice. Your son, I mean, all that. That's already so bizarre. I mean, this makes no sense. How does that, how does that make any sense? I mean, God, first of all, God's given him the, the, the gift of Isaac, the very promise, He said, "You'll, you'll, be, you'll become a great nation. How are you going to become a great nation without Isaac anyway? So, so the very fulfillment and gift of promise that God gave Abraham he's going to now sacrifice, and let alone it's his son. I mean that doesn't even make sense. And by the way, Isaac's about 16 to 25 years old. Scripture doesn't give us the exact number. We don't even know for sure. That's just surmised from a lot of good biblical issues and, and evidence. And you know, if I'm, I'm Abraham, like you, you read this story. I read this story. I'm like, I, 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 Abraham, I think this makes no sense. No, no, let's do just, you know, just pause for a moment. Now, how did Abraham get where he is? How is make sure we get this. How did Abraham get the health and the wealth and this miracle son, Isaac, and the life and the legacy that's being built? How, hey, how did all this come about? How did he get to the life he has at that stage? He's 116 to 125 years old, somewhere in the right. Now. How did he get all that? By trusting God. By what Church trusting God. I mean, he got the life he's enjoying by trusting God. So this is the God who's made possible every good thing. And the more and better life that God has for him is in trusting God. So that's how we got there. And he's got to settle that this trust thing that's got me where I am is going to be the only thing to get me to the more and better life and continue it. Because trusting God is not an old thing. It's not a used to do thing. It's got to be a present-day thing. It's got to be current. And it's not a one-time lesson. It's a lesson you have to learn and practice repeatedly. It had been 41 to 50 years since Abraham got that first invitation of God to leave the land where, where, where he lived with his family and go to the land God would call him, where God made the first promise that someday you'll, you'll have a son and then you'll become a large nation. It, and that, that lesson of trust has to be repeated. And by the way, this, this, this thing, that, this test, sacrifice your son, that, that's unique, a unique test to Abraham. This, God, this isn't our test. God has never asked anybody to sacrifice their child. It, it sounds bizarre because it is, unless you understand the unique context. By, by the way, if you know the end of the story, Abraham never had to sacrifice Isaac. In fact, the only one who ever sacrificed their son out of love was God sacrificing his son, Jesus, for us. Most people don't understand the story because they think that God's being tested. Then God's not being tested in this story, Abraham is. This is not a test of God's love. This is a test of Abraham's love. Abraham, who do you love? Who's first? Who's God? Who are you gonna trust in life? So while this test is not for us. The lesson, listen. the lesson of trust is for all of us. And real dads live real trust. Real dads live real what, church? Trust. See, Abraham knew the voice of God. And so he knew it was God who spoke to him. It was very clear. There's no confusion. Just like Abraham would say, hey, you, you all know the voice of God. God wrote it down for you. You have the Bible. You got God's word. You got the truth of God. You know what it means to walk in the ways of God. You have the wisdom of God. You know what it means to have the more and better life God has for you. You know what, what, what moral truth is. You know, you, you, know, you know what the right thing to do is. God, God's written it down so you can know. Do you trust the word of God and follow it? See, what, what separated Abraham apart is he trusted God. immediately you see that God gives him the directive and and, and then the very next day, in verse three it says, in the very next day, Abraham went and and, and followed. He went to Mount Moriah. God's sending him up Mount Moriah on, on a test trust to see if Abraham really trusts God's word and follows him first. Men, dads, we're all listening. We're all benefiting from this teaching. I'm talking to dads. Dads, God will send you up Mount Moriah to test your trust of Him often. Do you trust Him? Who's, who's first? Who's God? Because there's always got to be something on the line to figure out who and what do you trust. We, we celebrate the, the groundbreaking of of the Buford campus last Sunday. It was spectacular, a wonderful celebration. And and we're all excited because, you know, of the, of the campuses we've launched two and a half years ago, one by one, we're opening up doors to, to work in a more permanent 24-7 uh, space. And so we broke ground at Buford, and it was awesome. It was a great celebration. We know God's going to, you know, change thousands of lives as a result because we hope to move in there by by August of, of 2018, a year from this August, and that's awesome. And and the kids will be changed, and students will be changed, and men and women, and men Marriages and families and people and addiction and brokenness and blah, blah, blah. We know all this wonderful stuff. What we get to do together as a church is amazing. That's just so cool. But while I was a part of the groundbreaking, uh, several people waited. I got to talk to them afterwards, etc. But, but one guy waited off the side. He said, uh, I just want to share a little of my story with you. He said, I want to thank you for the trust challenge. And he said, you know, you do that thing every year here. And you give us this trust challenge to honor God with the first 10%, the first financial resources, fruit that come in, in, in the home and, and give it back to God and honor God as first and, and that biblical teaching. And then he said, and as a dad, I'm honest. I'm like, no. He said, I'm here for, you know, first couple of years. I was a part of 12 Stone and, and come to faith and get on track. I'm like, no, I, I, I just, I couldn't see it. I wouldn't see it. I'm like, no, I'm a dad. I'm a provider. I know the weight of this. You know, I honor God first and make God first in my finances. And, 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 I, nah, and, and Jesus, so I'd appease God. I mean, I'd, you know, you know, throw a little something at God from time to time, a few hundred a year, but, but, but not honoring God first. And I said, and finally, a couple years ago or so, it broke through. I mean, finally I had that moment when you're teaching it again. I've heard it before. I'm like, what, when am I going to actually follow God and quit saying I am? When, is this, when am I actually going to break through and take the most tangible difficult area to honor God so that I really am honoring God and following God and trusting God. I really don't trust God. He said, and I, I had the moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the trust test the next 90 days. He said, and I, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is like instead of just talking about following God, I actually follow God. Instead of saying, oh yeah, I trust Him. Actually trust Him. He said, and I'm just, what I want to do is thank you because it revolutionized my life. I mean, I, I, I there's stuff I couldn't see in my faith. It was right here. And God freed me up. God took the most high-pressure arena of my life, which is a dad and a husband and a father and provider, and it's like woke me up. It freed me up. It freed God up. I began to see things differently. I didn't even realize how messed up I was in the way I saw the world and God and finance and, and providing the whole thing, and it just reshaped things. He said, thank you. It changed me. And not only that, he said, but, but in the couple of years of honoring God, I've never looked back, God's transformed our finances and me and, and, and blessed us. And he said, I just, and he just went on to tell the story. I'm not going to give another man's numbers, etc but it was just a really powerful Well, do you know what that was you know what he was telling me I had a trip up Mount Moriah that's all that was and God took him on a trip up Mount Moriah to finally say who are you going to trust see real dads live real trust they in the real arena of life they figure out who they're going to trust that's why when John Maxwell mentor and friend of our church says everything worthwhile is uphill I, I think that's what he's talking about I had another friend, uh, Stu, a um, couple weeks back, share a story with me. He's relocating uh, from here, and and uh, job situation, a good deal, and a door. So they're selling all the, as much stuff as they can to lighten the load at the house, and 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 not have to move as much stuff. And they're selling a, a bed, and and put it up for one hundred and sixty bucks. And somebody called, but this person who called was. Uh, Hispanic uh, uh, immigrant and didn't have a handle yet on the English language and and, and needed help even from uh, the guy's son to to translate and and so when when the dad came over to buy the bed uh, he he couldn't translate with Stu and he just handed Stu his wallet and and Stu had this this prompt in the spirit who did not really believe it was from God to just just give him the bed and he and he said I opened the guy's wallet and the the guy didn't even know how to transact and, and count the the money but there was only 140 bucks in the guy's wall. And he said, well, I'll just do the, I'm not going to give the guy the bet. I don't know why I'm not going to do that, but I'll just, I'll I'll reduce it. I'll just take the 140 and let it go. So he took 140 and let the guy go. But it bothered him because he knew in his spirit, he didn't really trust God, do the thing God asked him to do. And he said, and it gnawed at me until finally by that night, I'm like, I got to, I listen, he had said, I had second thoughts and I decided I need to give myself a second chance. In other words, I, I didn't make it all the way up the mountain. I kind of turned around and, and didn't follow the, the prompt of God. He said, I called that guy back and I couldn't hardly have a, a, a real conversation. I had to get a hold of his son and say, I need you guys to come back. They said, no, 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 we're happy with the bed. He says, no, I want to come back and, and give you your money. No, no, we don't want to bring the bed back. We want to keep the bed. He said, no, that's not what I'm saying. He said, I, want, I need to give you the money back. He said, we don't understand. Well, just come over and I'll explain it. And and, and they came over and he said, look, I needed needed to give you the bed. God's blessed me and I felt like he wanted me to bless you and I didn't honor it. And so now I'm going to. And and he said, we had a prayer together and it was powerful and I got freed up. You know what that was? That's That's just a walk up Mount Moriah for him. See, Abraham would say, real dads live real trust. It's powerful, it's testing, and it's present trust. And see, when you really trust God, it defines you as a man and it redefines you as a dad. That's what it does. Because whatever is in you as a man is what transfers through you as a dad. Real men live Real trust. And it's not because Abraham could see it. It's not because he walked up Mount Moriah and he knew how this was going to play out. He didn't know how this would play out. He couldn't see it. That's, that's why you need trust. Let me just illustrate it with, with Abraham's life. See, go back. At the age of 75, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And, and Abraham can't see. Say it with me. Abraham what? He can't see. He doesn't know how God's going to do that. But what he decides to do is trust. And he says, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. And for the next 25 years, does God give him a son like he said? No. No, 25 years, God doesn't even provide. And, and, and Abraham can't see what God is doing, but he agrees to trust. To do what? Trust. And then at the age... Of 100, God finally gives him the son. God gives him Isaac. And now what can Abraham say? Oh, now I see what God is doing. It's awesome. And, and for the next uh, 16 to, to 25 years, he enjoys his son Isaac, and it's a blessing. to be, And he says, oh, I can see all the more what God is doing. And then, and then, and then God says... I want you to go up Mount Moriah and, and I, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. And once again, Abraham, like us, says, well, I, I, I can't see what God is doing and I, I, it doesn't make any sense. But what is his chosen response? Trust. What is it? Trust. Trust. And it's that trust that he was living that enabled him to give hope to his son, Isaac. It's when we live real trust that we can pass real hope onto our kids. So let's unpack the second half of the thought that, that real dads transfer real hope. See, Abraham knew that this was going to be not just a test on him, but for Isaac. This was going to be really tense for Isaac. Because Isaac, on the way up Mount Moriah, said to his dad, uh, Hey, Dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Like, well, we've done this honor God, worship God, and in the Old Testament, the range of sacrifice, a temporary substitute of sacrifice to God to, to cover our sin debt. We're, I, I, I see the wood. I see where we're going to build an altar. I, I don't see the lamb. To be sacrificed. And what does Abraham say? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Listen, he didn't say the Lord has provided. Abraham can't see what God is doing. Abraham doesn't know how this is going to play out. But he transfers real hope. His son, don't worry about it. Just trust God. Don't don't worry about it. Because the trust that he has, he's transferring as real hope to his son. That's why real dads live real hope and they tra- real trust and they transfer real hope. Take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 because this gives us the, 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 the layout, if you will, the translation of the story. is found in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 on page 12, 12. In fact, you don't even need to turn that. I'll just, I'll just read it for you, you and listen in. Verse 17 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice... He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. But Abraham reasoned. Get this. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, Abraham couldn't see what God was doing right at the moment but he knew who God was. He didn't know what God was doing, but he knew who God was. And this is the God who raises dead things to life. Maybe I ought to write that down. God raises dead things. To life. See, he knew that this was the God who can take dead dreams and things that have fallen apart and things that don't work and things that don't come together. And, 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 and God can raise dead things to new life. By the way, let's make sure we understand. Abraham knew this because his very son Isaac was the living reality that God could take something dead. Like Abraham and Sarah's physical body, their capacity to reproduce children at the age of 100 was dead. They, they We can't make kids. And God God gave them this miracle child, Isaac, demonstrating that God can take dead things and raise them to life. Abraham didn't know how God was going to solve this offering Isaac. He assumed, okay, well, I know God can raise dead things to new life. So even if I do have to uh, offer Isaac, God will give him new life. God will raise him from the dead. Well, ultimately, God didn't do that. Ultimately, what God did is provided a ram. He said, Abraham, I know now that you love me. I know that I'm first in your life. It's now proven again in your own soul and mine demonstrated. Don't, don't sacrifice your son. And he provided a ram. See, listen, whether God provides a ram or, 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 or a resurrection... You know that it's the nature of God and it's the power of God who can take dead things and raise them to new life. What dads who live out real trust know is that God can take dead dreams and broken things and things that didn't work out the way you thought they were and ultimately transfer hope in the lives of their kids to say, listen, if you will trust God, you can have real hope. It may not happen the way you think it will. It may not be a resurrection. It might be a ram. It may not be a ram in the thicket. It may be a resurrection. But you trust God and you'll find that that real hope proves God's capacity to bring new life out of what seemed like dead things. That is the God that we serve. And listen, and you don't know that on the way up Mount Moriah, you can't see it on the way up. You can only see it on the way back. The the reality is you can't see all that's happening on the way up, but everybody who wants this mountaintop faith, you can't have it without going up the mountain of trust. And, And it's then that you figure it out. See, it was not on the way up that Abraham could see. When you can't see, what you need is trust. But then he transferred real hope and he said, God will provide. And guess what? In the end, God did provide. And Abraham can say, oh, now I see. I see what God was doing all along. You can't see it on the way up the mountain. You can only see it on the way back. On the way down from the mountain. And by the way, there's a whole bunch Abraham couldn't see. Abraham can't see further down the road. See, what you trust when you trust God is that God can see further than you can see. You're part of a bigger story. For example, Abraham had no idea how meaningful Mount Moriah would be. He didn't know that hundreds of years down the road, David, King David, one of his descendants (laughs) would have a time where he sins against God and tens of thousands of Israelites are suffering and dying because of that sin. And yet in a moment of time at Mount Moriah, the angel of the Lord stops in the mercy of God and their sacrifices are offered on Mount Moriah and Israel is rescued from the cost of their sin. He didn't know that at that very place at Mount Moriah, the temple would be built by Solomon, the very place where hundreds of years for the nation of Israel, lambs were offered in sacrifice to atone for the sin debt, substitute sin debt over the nation of Israel so the presence of the Holy God could be among them. Had no idea that it was the forerunner of the coming Messiah of Jesus, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world had no idea that on Mount Moriah, not only would the temple be built, but it would be the most controversial political controversy in human history. There at the Temple Mount, dome of the rock, on one side, the Wailing Wall, on the other, all of this controversy wrapped up in all sorts of prophecy, meaning that God still isn't done With what's happening on Mount Moriah. And it started all the way back here. Because listen. If you want to be a part of a bigger story. And God is indeed writing a bigger story. And you're in it. Then you have to see bigger. You have to what bigger? See bigger. That's what trust is. See the reason Abraham was still being talked about thousands of years later. Is because even when he couldn't see he trusted. And when he did see he didn't see far enough. Nobody can But if you want to be a part of the bigger story, you have to choose to see bigger. And real dads live real trust. And therefore, they're able to transfer real hope to their kids. This God that we serve. And you do that in simple and profound ways. In seemingly little ways that become big deals. You involve God because God's always involved. So Jaden, my 13-year-old, was the one who chose the trip to go to D.C. a couple of weeks ago for the family. And we talked about it last fall and coming into the winter and set plans for the trip. He, he wanted to see the White House and, and, and experience D.C. and do, do the museums, and that was his choice. But the, probably the number one reason he wanted to go was because at the Smithsonian Zoo in D.C., you could see a kiwi bird. If you don't know what a kiwi bird is, here's a picture of the kiwi bird. Now, uh, it is a strange little thing uh, because it's a flightless bird. It has wings, but you can't see them. They're so small. They're insignificant. They may, might as well not even be there. It's a small little thing. It's about like three pounds to maybe five, eight, nine pounds. It, it doesn't get very big. And it's a New Zealand bird. And, and so you can't see one and, in North America. There's maybe three four places in North America you could even see one. And he did a, a study on kiwi birds because his brother ahead of him did a study when he was in school on kiwi birds. And then Jaden did. And Jaden got all excited about this unique, distinct kiwi bird, and he says, someday dream I'm going to see a real kiwi. Okay, so not just videos. i got to see one with my own eyes. So I want to go to D.C. so I can see a Kiwi. Great. Family's all amped up about it. This is going to be a big deal. Little deal to all of you, big deal to our family. So on the Wednesday when we're in D.C., midway through the trip, it is Kiwi Day. We are going to the Smithsonian Zoo. We're all amped up, and we finally get there, and we're on our way. And I'd all checked everything out back in December to make sure everything was good, and they still had everything. And as we got closer to the birdhouse, we saw the sign that said, Under Construction. Now, about three seconds before that, I'm thinking, I'm the man. (laughs) I am the dad. I am the man. This is awesome. I saw that under construction sign. You you know that sick feeling? And we got to the house, the birdhouse, closed. Opening in 2020. I, I don't think I can describe for you how horrible, horrific, I mean, wind out of the sails, Immediate depression, the whole family. I don't know why you're laughing. That's not funny. <laughs> I mean, it was. I was just. I almost started crying. I. I, I, I what is what, what, this, this? Can't be. We've walked around the whole thing. I mean I, and I'm like, oh dear God, we need a miracle. We need a resurrection. We need. <laughs> I start doing my dad thing. I'm I'm like, I gotta find somebody. I have got to find somebody. I, I found this bird lady. I mean that's what I call her this bird lady working around the backside, whatever. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And, and my family wants me to tell you the whole story. I'm not telling you the whole story. I'm not telling you the way I schmoozed the bird lady story part, and any caring about her ravens or anything. I just, hey, we 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 need a hero. I flew six people, including my father-in-law from Michigan. We're all in D.C. and it, it it ain't to see the White House. So that's that's like number two. Number one is a kiwi. You're a bird lady. Don't you understand? We got to see a kiwi. Do no, you, you have any idea what we've been through to see a kiwi bird? It's not even on your sight that you're closed. Help me. I say, okay, tell me, give me a number right now. You just give me a number right now. I, after what I've already spent, you just give me a number, and I'll write the check. He says, well, we're government. We can't take your money. I said, well, you do doing how. Uh, uh. He said, I can't help you. I said, I need help. He says, I said, give me the name of somebody who can. Give me somebody. He says, this is this would have to go to the top. I said, good, send me to the top. He said, no, I, I can't give you any names, but I'll take your name down. I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. Nowhere. Oh, give me your email and your phone number, and we'll let you know. Ah, I mean, it was horrible. And so, you know, every hour, Jaden's like, hey, Daddy, has, have they sent anything? No. Check my email. No. iPhone says no. And I'm like, this is not, this, nothing's happening. It's not going to happen. That night, Wednesday night, I'm, we all go down for bed. And I, I really, I felt prompted. prompt God, just go pray over with Jaden and pray that I would do something miracle. Like, I would just raise from the dead this horrible dead dream. And, I, and, and you know what I said to God? I'll just tell you. I, I said, no. <laughs> I said, I don't even want Jaden." to put this on you, God, I don't want to go get his hopes up and pray that you would do something miraculous that isn't going to happen and have him be mad at you and go deal with that. I'll just let him be disappointed with me in life because I just know. And that's why I didn't. I didn't pray with my son. I'm a pastor, so it's... (laughs) Gifted leader, man full of faith, Abraham-like. Next day, nothing, nothing, all day, all day. We get home, and it's the end of Thursday, and Friday's all we have left—the full day—and and it's at like nine thirty, and we get an email, bing, hey, uh, the director said we could tomorrow eleven o'clock. A happy dance began. I mean, I, are you kidding me? Did, you could have said we're all going to heaven, and it wouldn't have been as good as you're going to go see a kiwi. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just—it has no equal. 11 o'clock. And by the way, by the way, it wasn't go see a kiwi. When we got there at 11 o'clock and we met the kiwi lady. I mean, it was a different bird lady. It was a kiwi lady. She, she's been caring for kiwis for 30 years. She walked us in. We weren't looking at a kiwi through glass. She brought the kiwi out to us. Gave us an experience of kiwi. She went further than that. She let Jaden hand feed the kiwi and pet it. Here's like a 30 second video of heaven. Check this out. Just kind of put it, you know, like flat. And he'll just grab it right off. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. What is it they like to eat? So, this is our captive diet. Oh, sorry. Um, it's made up of beef uh, mixed vegetables, um, and I've got paper towels for your hands, um, chopped up different types of fruits, and a couple of different bird pellets, and then we kind of mix it all together, just like you would a meatloaf, mm-hmm. obviously we don't cook it, um, at his head, he's like, don't be, it's okay, no, and you really got it, got it. Woo, that doesn't excite you, that thrills me, oh my goodness, this is fantastic, I mean, I'm the man, well, I'm not the man, now God's the man. And I knew I'd have to tell you the whole story, so, so I told with my confession. And before I told this story a couple days ago, I had to go to Jaden and say, Jaden Dad's got to tell the story." And then I got to tell a part you don't know. That Wednesday night, God told me to come pray with you, and I didn't because I didn't believe He'd do anything. And Jade says, "Oh, that's okay, Dad." He said that God prompted me to pray on Wednesday night, and I prayed and believed He'd do something, and He provided. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Pastor. <laughs> I prayed. <laughs> Ticks me off. <sighs> oh, I mean, don't you ever feel like, man, I just, I just suck. No, I can't say that. That I just, I failed. Like, I just, oh, but maybe not. Because my son got it. And real dads live Real trust, and even, even if you don't do it right and you didn't go all the way up Mount Moriah, take a second chance and go back up. Because a real trust will transfer real hope. And we wanna take a moment, as I turn the service over to the campus pastors to pray over dads. And I'm going to ask across campuses, dads, if you would just stand, if you'd let us pray for you, we'd love to do that. Dads, would you stand? In fact, as all the dads stand, would you just kind of give it up for dads and just celebrate dads and happy dad's day? And... Thank you, dads. And I want to pray over you, so let's bow our heads together. Father, first of all, we thank you for being our heavenly father. And we we thank you for, for the dads before us. And gracious God, would you bless them? Right now, where each dad is uniquely in their own life, and their own journey, could we just collectively ask God that you would place a blessing over their life, that you would affirm them today and encourage them, that you would lift them up, that you would kind of put wind in their sails, that you would remind them of the, the good that you've done for them and that you have for them and that you're with them, and, and for the gift of being a dad and the joy of our children. Would you just let this be a, a, a delightful day of remembrance? And would you let your favor rest on dads? But God, I want to pray something else. There there might be some dads among us who are very aware that there's an area of their life where they're not living out real trust. Maybe not making the trip all the way up Mount Moriah. Maybe some areas in, in business or in their marriage or in their character or in their finances or in their fears. Or in their obedience to you where there's been a resistance, a holding back. And, and God, maybe kind of like Stu, we, we, uh, we, we kind of went halfway and, 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 we, and we need to take a second chance and go back up the mountain and trust you. I don't know what that means for any man, but I would pray right now, God, that as, as men would have the courage, as dads standing before you right now, any one of us who need would have the courage to say, God, I'm going to go back up the mountain. I want to trust you. I want to live in full trust. God, this is a profound and significant thing for every man that would say that to you. And then I would pray additionally, God, that, that maybe as men, there's some areas where we know we need to breathe real hope into our kids. That right now, we're aware that, that we're carrying something of uh, uh, kind of like what I did to Jaden. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go breathe real hope. God, I, I know I messed up there. with, And I've asked you to forgive me. And, and I'm grateful for what you did in, in, in Jaden and, and for Jaden, And you ultimately provided. But, but maybe, God, I can just pray with other dads who, like me, we're, we're all imperfect dads. But we need to be intentional about, about breathing real hope into our kids. kids. to to just remind them that you are the God that that brings new life out of what can often be dead dreams and dead situations and broken things. God, maybe there's some dads right now that would say, God, I got to go do that better in the life of my kids. And here's where I specifically know I need to do this. And maybe God, maybe right now our prayers over our kids could be the most important thing we do. So dads, as you're standing would you just begin to whisper prayers for your kids? It doesn't matter if they're newborns, if, if they're early development, if they're in early elementary, or if they're middle school, high school. It doesn't matter if they're out of college, out of college, or married. Whatever age your kids, what, 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 what hopes do you have for your kids? What blessing would you want to pray? Right now, would you just begin to whisper, God, across 12 stone, thousands of dads are, are offering prayers right now on this day for their kids. And Lord, I, I think it matters. It matters. Because you said the prayer of a man who who follows hard after you is powerful and effective, and it avails much in your presence. And Because you made us dads, our prayers are unique over our kids. And so we're praying for your covering. We're praying for your wisdom for our kids. Maybe maybe some kids going through difficult things, and we're asking for you to uh, sustain them and and, and give them strength through it. Maybe we're asking you to rescue uh, one of our kids who's going through a particularly difficult time or who has stumbled. Maybe we're asking you to, to put a blessing on them who are striving and they're trying to get through something and they, they can't get through quite the, the other side of it. Maybe, God, we're, we're asking you to cover them and give them protection in a particular season of their life. Maybe, God, we're asking for you to bond a relationship where there's some brokenness and some things being lost. Maybe it's a prodigal, a, pro, a prodigal child. God, on and on, the prayers are being lifted up to you and it matters, God, because right now it shapes things. It moves things in heaven to move things on earth. And it matters that dads pray over their kids. So we would pray a blessing over our kids. Grant this, I pray, O oh God, answer these prayers mightily as only you can. And some of us, God, are sitting here, like in my world, uh, just had some pretty broken relationships with their dad and really don't have a relationship with their dad. And, and there's a certain weight that, that goes with, with many in, in this room who, who feel that. And would you more, all the more be our father? Because we all have a perfect heavenly father. And even if we have broken relationships with our earthly father, would you be the gracious heavenly father that teaches us and reparents us into how to trust you. Now again, let your blessing rest on the dads and thank you for them. These things we pray in Christ's name and everyone agreed saying, amen.